I wish I could uh, introduce a section of 40 people from my church, but um, we're not going to be doing that this morning. I, I wish I could say that I'd read a book that really jarred my thinking, uh, but I'm not going to say that this morning either. What I wanted to talk to us about this morning is the work of the cross and how it pertains to us as believers. The significance of the cross in the life of the believer is um, a very important aspect of the way that we're going to live and respond. And I'd like to thank uh, Brother Mark Wheeler for preaching on Monday uh, from the words of the cross because it was in the words of the cross that we really see the character of Christ. I believe that in the midst of his suffering and in the most grueling and agonizing time of his life, Christ lived out his character most perfectly. And we saw that through the words of the cross. Can our life look like this? That's a question that I'd like to ask us this morning. Can our life look like the life of Christ? There's a matter in which we as a student body and as individuals and as members of the body of Christ are to identify with Christ. I believe that identification with Christ begins at the cross. If you'd imagine with me a sporting team. I was talking to Kent Dresdell yesterday and I told him that I would come up and talk to you guys about the two best teams in football. But I really realized at this point that Dallas Cowboys and the Oakland Raiders aren't doing too good. So I'll just say that they're my favorites. If you were to go to a stadium where the Dallas Cowboys and the Oakland Raiders were playing, how would you be able to distinguish between the two teams? If you were to just come into the stadium and look down on the field and see 90 men, 45 from both teams, 90 men in casual dress, sort of hanging out on the field, how would you know that there is a distinction between the Dallas Cowboys and the Oakland Raiders? Well, I think the things that we will notice is that they can't play football that way because they, they themselves won't be able to distinguish between themselves. Sporting teams have distinct uniforms. No two teams have the same uniform. They have distinct personnel. The Oakland Raiders have Jeff Hostetler and the whole crew there. And the Dallas Cowboys have Troy Aikman, the best quarterback ever. They have distinct playbooks and distinct plays. They have their own hometown, their own logo, their own mascot. They have their own fans and their own stadium. How is it that you're able to distinguish between the two teams? It's the way that they look. The way that they look. You turn with me, please, to Second Peter one four. You know, I really enjoyed uh, Pastor Harley Howard last Wednesday when he took us through this passage of scripture, and I'm going to repeat it again. You know, folks, I think one of the things that we really need to be careful of is not veering from the text. We really need to look at the Word of God and see what saith the Lord, and I think. 
that we as a student body really need to nail that down. Because so many times we come into the text, as Mike Forrest would say, with our own presuppositions. And it doesn't do us any good. Because if we interpret the Word of God the way we want to, it's never going to affect our lives the way that it should. Because we're looking for what we want to see. I want to read from verse 4. It says, For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. I was reading Warren Worsby, a Bible teacher, and he said that the nature determines four things. It determines your appetite. It determines your association. It determines your behavior and your environment. And I'd like to add one more of my own. It also determines your destiny. It determines your destiny, folks. So how is it that we are going to identify ourselves with Christ and His cross? When people observe the way that we as a college are or live, can we say that without a single doubt we can be identified with Christ? Is our living distinct? Distinct living comes from a distinct nature. And a distinct nature comes from a distinct birth. And in God's economy, a distinct birth comes from a distinct death. And that death is the death of the cross. I believe for the most part that many of our struggles and troubles concerning sin can be attributed to the fact that we have forgotten our position in Christ. We have forgotten our identity. I also believe that we shall observe from the text that this position in Christ, this identification with Christ, this distinction because of Christ, starts at the cross. I was watching a women's soccer game a couple weeks ago. And I was sitting with a few friends, Mike Forrest, and I happened to lean over and ask if the other college was a Christian college. And someone said, I think they are. Uh, and then someone else said, yeah, they are. And then we heard one of their team members swear, like right at that moment. And I said to myself, wow, if there are any unbelievers in the stands, they wouldn't know that. Because they aren't able to identify them as different from the world. Romans 6. Would you turn your Bibles there, please? Romans 6. And we all know and cherish this word as the most systematic of Paul's writings. And Paul, in the epistle to the Romans, really lays out for us God's salvific work. And... He lays out for us the salvation that God has given as a result of His righteousness. We're going to read from verse 3 to verse 11. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? Therefore we have been crucified with Him. I'm sorry. Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death. 
in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I only have two points this morning. Mark Wheeler, bless your heart, had seven points Monday. And um, I really appreciate what he did. Mark painted for us the character of Christ on the cross. And today, I want to demonstrate how on the cross, Jesus was not the only one there. If you would follow with me in the text. Verse 3 and 4 teach us that baptism, baptism um, as identification with Him in His death. And I'm not talking about water baptism. I'm talking about being identified with Christ in His death. As Paul says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death? All of you who have professed faith in Christ Jesus have been baptized into His death. You have been identified with the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Therefore, Paul writes, we have been buried with Him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We died with Christ so that in His having been raised up from the dead, we too are to participate in that newness of life. Have you ever considered yourself having died on the cross? I tell you, it may be a, a phrase that's not familiar to your listening, but the Apostle Paul certainly speaks of having been crucified with Christ. And he also lays out here in, in chapter 6 of the book of Romans the reason why we've been crucified with Christ. We've been crucified with Christ. We identify ourselves with the death of Christ so that in His resurrection we too might identify with that and live a new life. The old self was crucified. As Paul writes in verses 5 and 6, For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Again, reiterating the fact that your identification with Christ in His death 
is also an identification with Christ in his resurrection. Knowing this, verse 6, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. The idea here is that there are two masters. And we know that from the beginning of the Word of God to the very end, there's a tension between two kingdoms. And that is, number one, the kingdom of God, and number two, the realm and the domain of Satan. And in the realm and domain of Satan, we have this thing uh, called sin. And that as long as we are alive in that realm, sin is master over us. Sin is master over us. But Paul says here that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with. That it might be done away with, folks. Why? That we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. I was uh, listening to Jim Stitzinger last night in the Shepherds Club. By the way, the Shepherds Club, the Shepherds Club meets on Tuesday nights in BG1 at 9.30. So if you guys ever want to bring your small group or your wing there, uh, you're welcome to do that. ASB plug. Um, I was listening to Jim Stitzinger preach last night, and he gave this illustration of, of death. And he was talking about... Um, how he hunts. I guess Jim likes hunting. Outdoors type of guy. Jim was talking about how, you know, when you're dealing with uh, a dead corpse of an animal, you know, you kind of hold the hind legs together and you hold the front legs together and you just plop it on your back. It's full of grass and, and you sort of drag it around and he says that when he looks over to the head of this deer, it's just hanging there. It's limp, unresponsive to anything because it has no life in it. Well, that's the idea that Paul is bringing to us right here. He says that he who is dead is freed from sin. Have you considered yourself dead to sin? Have we considered ourselves dead I firmly believe folks that the reason why we struggle with habitual sin and I hope you're not is because you've forgotten that you're dead Every single dead thing in the world cannot respond to anything because it has no life in it. No life in it. If you have no life in you to respond to sin, why shall it be master over you? And I'm not talking about, you know, the daily struggles of life. What I'm talking about is when you have not considered yourself free from it. You know, we hear all the time of people praying for 
some bondage that they're under. The Word of God teaches us right here. He who has died is freed from sin. That's what the text says. Either God's a liar, or we're messed up somewhere. And I'd rather be that we're messed up somewhere. And I believe that we're messed up in that we've forgotten that we're dead. Paul says in verse 8, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. See, that's the beauty of it, folks. It doesn't end there. I firmly believe that the reason why we forget the work of the cross is because we don't want to live the life that Christ lives. And we'll see um, in another passage that that is the case. We died with Christ. Those of us who have professed faith in Him. This is a fact. It's not a theory. It's not an idea that Bert Suluvale sitting on his soapbox is trying to convey to the student body. This is fact. This is truth. Those of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ, those of us who possess true faith in Jesus Christ, have died with Him. And then Paul goes on to say, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over Him. Paul goes on to give the example of Christ having died to sin, therefore sin no longer being master over him, death no longer being master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. This is the example that we are to follow. Is that because we have died with Christ, and that because we are raised with Christ, we also are to live to God like Christ lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, verse 11, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul says that we are to consider ourselves dead to sin, to count ourselves as dead to sin, to think of ourselves as dead to sin, to believe that we are dead to sin. How much are we to count ourselves dead to sin? Well, we are to count ourselves dead to sin even as Christ died to sin and to death once for all. We are dead to sin, folks, in that it reigns no longer in us. It doesn't reign anymore. We're part of the kingdom of God, and that is our master. That He is our master. Sin is no longer master. Have you identified yourself? with the death of Christ. Verse 12 and following demonstrate that our enslavement to sin is over with and it has been abolished at the cross of Christ. And that in verse 12 and following we see that our enslavement now is to righteousness. Can't serve two masters. The work of the cross was accomplished 
for those who died with him. Turn to Second Corinthians five. By the way, in case I haven't told you, the first point is the requirement one death. That's the first point. Second Corinthians five, verse fourteen. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Paul, we've looked at uh, Romans 6 and we've seen that Paul teaches that those who have died with Christ, those who have died in Christ, are raised together with Him. And now he tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, that one, Christ, died for all, therefore all died. All died. And He died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. Again, I believe that we forget. We forget that we're dead and no longer slaves to sin but that we are alive and that we no longer live for ourselves but for him who died and rose again on our behalf I know that in my life the reason why I tend to forget is because I don't want to live for him and I know that this is a struggle that we all have dealt with before in the past. We look at the Word of God and it says that they who live, having died with Him, should live no longer for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. Is this a pursuit of your life? Is this a pursuit of our life as a campus? Do we identify ourselves with the death of Christ? Paul certainly does. Galatians 2.20 Probably the most uh, beautiful verse in my estimation in illustrating the unity of the believer with Christ in his death. In Galatians 2.20 Paul says I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Have you considered yourself as one who was crucified with Christ, who has been crucified with Christ? Have you considered yourself as one who identifies with the work of Christ on the cross? Can you say like Paul, that I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me can we say that sin is no longer master over us that's what the word of God says folks that's what it says I'd rather be a liar and God be true because that's the fact you're all liars only God is true and his word says that those who have been crucified with Christ 
are dead to sin. It's no longer master. There's only one master, Jesus Christ. And that is what my heart's desire is for this college, is that we'd understand that our identification with Christ in His death is going to allow for us to be identified with Christ in newness of life. Have you considered yourself dead to sin? I've asked that question 20 times. Because that's a question that I want etched in your mind as you leave chapel today. Have you considered yourself dead to sin? Because if you haven't, you'll need to reevaluate your position. Point number two. The result. One resurrection to newness of life. We see uh, Paul again in Romans 6. I'm just going to go through these verses, verses 4 through 6. We've been crucified and buried with Him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. What does this new life look like? What does this new life look like? Galatians 5, 22 through 23. You know, folks, these are, these are such familiar passages. I'm only here to encourage and exhort and remind But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Romans 6, 7 teaches us that we're freed from sin. The result, one resurrection to newness of life. Free from sin. How does this freedom from sin look like? Gordon, I'm sorry, George Eldon Ladd says that this freedom from sin is a transfer of rule. And that we've looked at, it, at that already. 2 Corinthians 5.15. Would you turn with me there, please? And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. What does this living for him look like? As we read further on, Paul says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. He follows after a different order of principles. He follows after a different sovereign. He lives after a different pursuit. He desires other than what the world desires. Can we say that for ourselves? Behold, new things have come. Is it possible that the newness of life that is being referred to here by the Apostle Paul is the very life of Christ? which we saw so perfectly lived out. 
on the cross? Does our new life look like the perfect life that the Son of God lived so perfectly in the midst of His anguish, in the midst of His suffering? Do you carry your cross daily? And how does that look? As Christ says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me daily. Daily. I want to thank Tim for his testimony because Tim said something that, you know, that really stirs up my spirit. And he says that he does everything to the glory of God 110%. Is that how we live? 110% for God? 80 maybe? 70? 75? It's not 100, it's nothing. This isn't radical. It's what the Word of God teaches us. Do the words of Christ from the cross characterize us? I want to go back to that just for a minute. Are you one whose disposition is that you're ready to forgive? Are you ready to forgive? Or do you try to hold out as long as you could to juice out every ounce of debt that someone owes you because they've offended you? Are you one who is ready to forgive? Christ was. How many of you have been spit upon? How many of you have had your beard pulled from your face? How many of you have had nails driven into your hands and into your feet and a crown of thorns on your head mocked to death by multitudes? We think we have so many rights and so we're not ready to forgive are you one whose life is exemplified by reaching out? Evangelism? I want to thank Brett Laird and Joshua Smith and Peter for what you guys do. Praise God for your ministry. Are you one who offers salvation to those who don't know God? In the midst of struggles, do you think of the suffering of others? Or is it always me? In relationships, women, if you're stuck with a guy who thinks about himself all the time, run, don't walk. It's absolutely absurd to me that anyone who thinks that he's going to be a leader in God's church is going to be selfish in a relationship with someone that he claims he's going to love as Christ loves the church. And the same for you guys. If you're in a relationship and someone thinks of themselves first, run, don't walk. 
anguish at the separation that sin brings. You feel anguish in your soul? Do we pain at sin in our lives? Charles Spurgeon wrote, What a wretched thing is sin that crucified my Lord and caused Him to cry out, My God! My God! Why hast Thou forsaken me? Do you feel that way about sin in your life? Do you sense the separation that sin brings between you and, and our Holy Father? You twirl it around like a sweet morsel in your mouth and condemn it publicly? You come to the Lord's house. You come to chapel Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Do you go to Bible study Wednesday nights, Friday nights? Do you go to church twice a week? Pampering and loving sin in your life. Spurgeon continues to write, Oh, that there were an abyss as deep as the misery of Christ, that I may hurl this dagger of sin into its depths, that it might not affect me any longer. Is that your disposition towards sin? Is that our disposition towards sin? As a college? As a student body? As an individual? You feel the anguish that sin brings as Christ felt on the cross? When you're suffering, are you a dependent person or are you independent? Are you dependent or are you independent? You know what, folks? This is the one I struggle with the most. Because I think I'm thoroughly equipped. Are you one to be able to say, I need help? I'm honest when I've reached the end of my rope. Can you say like David said in the book of Samuel, that there is hardly a step between me and death? you do what you're called to do? When Christ said it is finished on the cross, He completed perfectly the work that the Father gave Him to do. Are we like that? Is that even a goal in your life? To complete perfectly the work that the Father called you to do. Will you retire with a text of Scripture dripping from your lips? As Jesus was dying, dying, He said, uh, Father, into Thy hands I commit My spirit. He was quoting Scripture in the midst of, of His troubles. It reminds me of David in Psalm 63 where he says, God, I meditate on you in the night watches. You lay in your bed, and before you retire 
to sleep, the scripture flow from your lips. Man does not live by bread alone. Man does not live by sleep alone. He doesn't live by exercise alone. He doesn't live by any of those things alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's a picture of Christ on the cross. And my question to us this morning... Is is that what we look like as a student body, as a college? This is what the cross wrought for us. The newness of life that can only come from the Father as we are crucified with Him, identified in His death, and raised up to newness of life with Him. What does your new life look like? Does it look very similar to the old? Or does it look radically different Tim shared his testimony and said, you know, I'm not one of those people who can come up here and say my father was a robber and my mom's a terrorist and so I'm a terrorist too. Six years ago, folks. In a very different way, I was a terrorist. Growing up in the streets of Los Angeles. And the Lord Jesus Christ, by His grace, saved me. And praise God that my heart has been changed forever. But not only that, folks, I don't look the way I used to. I don't live the way I used to. Because on the cross, Christ gave me new life. Is that something you can say? Is that something we can say as a student body, as a college, as individuals? It doesn't matter what the old looked like. The new is radically different. Before the cross, there was none righteous. No one, no, not one. After the cross, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is only one righteous, the Son of God, the Lord of glory. The only thing that Paul commands us or exhorts us to do is to consider ourselves included in the work of the cross.
Because it's in that consideration that we find that He has also raised us up to newness of life. New life. New life in Christ as a result of His work on the cross. Galatians 5.24 says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Does the cross something familiar to you? It should be. Let's pray. Our good shepherd. We thank you, Father, for your word. I just pray, Lord, that we would be able to be led by your spirit as we have considered the word of God. And that we would understand, Lord, the provisions that you've made for us. Help us now, O Lord, to consider our position. Consider our unity with Christ in his death. That we might benefit also from his new life. In your son's name I pray. Amen.